I noticed one was out of key with the rest, but it joined in eventually. Yeah, but we were at the same level as that yeah. fella, so I think that was quite good. We must be in tune this morning. Tune we've got, that's what we want. Right, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 1, please, and uh, we'll continue our series at... Um, is that on there, Dave? Yeah? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we're going to continue our series, The Godly... And the ungodly man, and um, Psalm one. You might just want to get your your ribbon in Psalm one because we're going to be darting about to a few scriptures this morning. Um, we're going to read from verse one uh, down to verse six. We'll read the whole psalm. Okay, verse one. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruits in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so. But are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you that we can uh, come to this time in our service around your word. We pray that you help us, dear Lord, as we listen this morning. May we listen from you. May we hear your word. May you speak to our hearts. May you challenge each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, well, we um, have looked uh, from verses 1 down to verse 3. We've been thinking of uh, the godly man. And uh, we're going to be looking the next three messages at the ungodly. And we're going to see... The contrast between the two. And um, if we notice in verse 4, that's our, that's our text for this morning. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Okay, there are three things that we're going to see about the ungodly man. We're going to look, first of all, at the description. Secondly, we're going to look at the judgment. And thirdly, we're going to look at the doom of the ungodly man. And tonight, uh, sorry, this morning, we're going to look at the, his description, the description of the ungodly man from verse 4. So, how is the, godly, the ungodly man described here in verse 4? Well, let's just read. The first description is the ungodly. Verse 4, the ungodly. Um, this is the man who is opposite to the godly man that we've been reading from verse 1 down to verse 3. And he's described as ungodly. If you look at those, that word ungodly, if you look at the first two letters, uh, in the English language that's actually what they call a prefix. And um, the prefix um, is actually gives the uh, opposite 
to the word that it's joined to. Okay, so we have the word there joined to un, we have godly, ungodly. Un is the prefix to godly, it's the opposite. So ungodly is the opposite to godly. Okay, um, let's just have a look at Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and let's just have a look here at perfect description of the ungodly. Ephesians chapter 2. We don't need to go any further than the Word of God. The Word of God describes uh, the ungodly perfectly here. And um, we just, we'll just look at verse um, 1 down to verse 3. And uh, Paul here is um, writing to Christians at uh, a church in Ephesus. And he says to them, he says, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And if we look down here um, to verse 12, we have a bit more of a description of the ungodly man. And it says, and at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Mm. And we have here from the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, a perfect description of the ungodly man. Um, if we just go through, uh, we see that he's dead in trespasses and sins. He's dead. There is no spiritual life in an ungodly man. Okay? The Bible describes him, and we just read, as without Christ and is without God in the world, in this world that we live in. That's the ungodly man. We see here in verse 2 that he walked according to the course of this world. We don't need to look very far, do we, to see that we live in an ungodly society, we live in an ungodly nation, we live amongst ungodly neighbours. This is the world we're living in, this is the reality. Ungodliness is all around us. The Bible says that the ungodly are children of disobedience. Not children of God, children of the devil, the Bible describes them. The Bible says here that they walk according to the prince of the power of the air. Some people might not like to hear that statement, but that's what the Bible teaches. They're children of wrath. The Bible says that they, that, um, that they walk according to the lusts of the flesh. Everything that appeals to the flesh and brings desires to this physical body, the ungodly walk after they like to fulfill the desires of the, of the flesh and of the mind as well. And the Bible says that the, by nature that they are the children of wrath, not children of God, not children of the Holy Spirit. This is the ungodly uh, this morning, dear friends. And the Bible describes them very clearly as without Christ and without God in this world. 
I'm going to speak in a, in a moment about um, a few things that are in our society at the moment, things that um, I'm sure that you know about, but I'm just going to remind you this morning about some of the ungodliness that we see around um, in our society today. Um, but it's all around us. We don't need to look very far. But I wonder this morning, does that, what that description of the ungodly man, does that remind you of a person who sat in your seat here this morning? Well, I don't know about you, but it describes a person who is stuck behind the pulpit here this morning. The Bible says that I was once a child of wrath. I was once a child without Christ and without God in this world. And I was a child that walked according to the lust of the flesh. That's how I was. Not one of us here this morning can point a finger and condemn a person because we all had our conversation in times past, the Bible says. We all walked according um, to the lusts um, of the flesh and we walked in the ways of this world. Um, I want you to look at verse 11 because Paul says to the Christians something very important to hear and he says wherefore remember and you know it's good for us as Christians today to remember where the Lord has brought us from to remember that God has saved us out of that ungodliness that we, that we lived in when we were children of wrath and we need to be more thankful for what God has done for us in our lives since that day. God is good this morning. Amen? Amen. God is gracious. God could have condemned us. God could have opened up the, the, the ground and swallowed us up straight away. But he had mercy upon us. And grace and love and kindness. We see that here described in the, in the scriptures. Just notice here in verse 13, Paul says to these Christians who were once children of wrath and ungodly, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. We have a wonderful scripture on the wall just outside our church this morning. I don't know if you read it. It's the first thing I see when I come to church. And it says, but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's how we come near and we come nigh to God through his blood. It's made peace, the Bible teaches us. God has made peace. Or he is our peace this morning and he's made, made us one with him. Wonderful. What a wonderful God we have this morning. Notice back there in verse 4. Let's just have a look at some of God's uh, attributes. Okay. One of the first ones we see here that he's rich in mercy. God was rich to you in mercy. God was rich to me 30 years ago in mercy when he saved me. I deserved hell. I deserved condemnation for my sin. For my rebellion and ungodliness against God. In verse 4 he continues... For his great love, wherewith he loved us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, 
Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we see here God's wonderful, rich mercy. We see his love towards us. Not only that, but in verse 7, we see his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ, whom he allowed to be crucified for us, for our sins. What a wonderful God we have this morning. He's not there to condemn us. He's there to forgive. And his hand is there, reaching out this morning to all that will come to him and repent of sin. And that blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross 2,000 years ago will cleanse any sin, any sin, this morning. What a wonderful God. So, we see here, the first description of the ungodly is that he is ungodly. Secondly, we see in, in, in our psalm, the Bible says, are not so. Let's just read it. Verse 4 says, the ungodly are not so. You might think, well, what can you get from that this morning? Are not so. Well, the more that you look into the word of God, it's the more you find it's, it's wonderful. The more you dig, um, the more you find. And we see here that this not-so reverts us back to the godly man described in verses 1 to 3. He's saying that the ungodly are not-so. They are not like the godly men, the godly man that we've read in down from verse 1 down to verse 3. The ungodly man says, not so, to each of these blessed statements that we read. Let's just have a, a quick look at them. The Bible says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The ungodly man says, not so. The ungodly man says, I will walk in the counsel of the ungodly. That's where the ungodly will get their counsel and their wisdom. That's what the Bible says. He goes on to say, No standeth in the way of sinners. The ungodly man will say, Not so. I will stand in the way of sinners. I will join them. I will sit with them. No sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The ungodly man says, Not so. I will scorn. I will pour scorn upon the word of God. And I will uh, blaspheme the Lord. This is what the ungodly man says. Verse 2. The ungodly man will not delight himself in the law of the Lord. He has no time for this book. Yesterday, um, Brother John and myself were talking about the Bible and how before we became Christians, we had no regard at all for this book. We had no regard for it at all. But when we were born again, what a change. Before, when we were ungodly, we said not so to the word of God. But when we became Christians and we were born again of God's spirit, we delighted in the Lord of the law. What a change. It's an opposite. And this is what we see here in our song. He goes on to say, in verse, in verse 2, he says, And in his law doth he meditate day and night. The ungodly man says not so. I've got no time for that book. I've got no time to think and to meditate upon the Word of God. Isn't that what we see today in our society? Isn't that why we're 
Society seems to be crumbling in, in morals. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. Why is that? It's because they have no time to meditate in the Word of God. God's Word tells us very clearly about morals and how we should live and how we can be a righteous nation and a, re- a nation that will be blessed by God. Verse 3, And he shall be like a tree planted in the rivers of water. The ungodly man says, Not so. I'm not going to be uh, rooted to God. I'm not going to be rooted to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Not so. I'm not going to bring spiritual fruit in my life. His leaf also shall not wither. The ungodly man says, I've got no problem. There's nothing wrong with me. No, the Bible says that the ungodly are dry. They, they, they will wither without the, the spirit in their life. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Verse 4, the ungodly are not so this morning. Where did that spirit come from? Where did the spirit of not so, where did it originate from? Well, if we just keep our fingers there in in Psalm chapter 1, we'll just turn to uh, Genesis chapter 3. And we see very clearly where that spirit of not so originates from. <clears throat> We're going to read from verse 1, chapter 3. Now the serpent, we all know who the serpent is, it's the devil. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. I want you to notice here this morning that these are the first words recorded in the Bible from the devil. And we see here that the first action from the devil here, the first words that come out of the devil's mouth, put doubt upon the word of God. He's basically saying, not so. Let's just continue. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruits of the trees of the garden, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now we know that Eve added a few words here, but notice what um, is spoken in verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. If we turn back to verse 17 of chapter 2, we read that, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God had told Adam, if you take of that tree, you will die. The devil says, you shall, sure, you shall not surely die. See what the devil's doing? Again, he's pouring doubt upon the word of God. This is the second statement that came out of the devil's mouth. Didn't need to go very far. But you see, this is where the spirit of not so comes from. When we say not so to the word of God, we're actually making God a liar. That's what the devil did in the garden. And that's what we do today when we say about the word of God, when God tells us what to do and what not to do, and we say not so God, we're actually making God a liar. We're actually aligning ourselves with the devil 
and the spirit of disobedience. That's what the ungodly man does. That's his nature. Now, the devil brings doubt upon the word of God. He did it to the Lord Jesus Christ, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus went out into the desert to be tempted of the devil. And uh, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ said it is, it is written. And he came against the devil with the word of God. Amen. And uh, that, that's a good example of what, what we need to do. Is we need to take the word of God. When we hear people and we hear strange um, uh, teachings being brought and ungodly laws being brought, what we need to do, friends, is we need to take these things to the word of God. What does God have to say about this situation? We're not going to hear it in the media. You know, this last couple of years... There has been a lot of um, uh, false news and lots of doubt coming across the airwaves. We only have to think about COVID. We don't need to travel very far. We've heard so many different statements. Um, one scientist saying one thing, another scientist saying another, and we're thinking, what's the truth? You know, Many people are wondering, what, what is the truth in all of this? And you see, the devil loves to bring confusion, and he loves to put people in doubt. Um, but you know, when it comes to moral values, this is very dangerous. And this is where we really need to get things back to the Word of God. And, um, you know, I was reading uh, an article uh, last night about um, the young people in our nation today. We are living in ungodly times, believe me. We are. You know, John preached a few, few weeks ago from 2 Timothy about perilous times. We're living in those days today. And, you know, there's, there's been a report that 4,000% increase in young people today that are confused about their gender. This is young people. And they're getting most of this confusion through the internet. Um, they're getting it through social media. It's coming through schools. It's coming through the NHS, through different places. And there is confusion today. And many young people are confused and they're getting depressed. They're getting suicidal and they're worried. And they're going to different sites in, on the internet and they're going to wrong sites trying to get information about who they are, what's the purpose of life. The Bible tells us very clearly who we are. The Bible tells us from Genesis chapter 1 that God, in the beginning, created the heaven and the earth. God, it starts with Him. He's the Creator. We don't need to be confused about who we are. God has made it very clear. We're male and we're female. And there is nothing in between. Man and woman. Transgender does not exist in the Bible. It's a lie from the devil. Let's just turn to Psalm 139. The psalmist knew very well where he came from. He knew very well who created him and he knew very well 
the reason why he was made. Um, if we just turn to uh, Psalm 139 and verse, verse 12, the psalmist says, Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. Praise the Lord. The truth always comes out in the end. Amen? Amen. It will. Every lie one day will be exposed by the light. It can be exposed today by the word of God. Let's just continue. But the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. Verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. See, God knew about David before he was even born. And David knew that. Verse 14, he says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make mistakes when he creates us. Mm -hmm. This is what transgender, trans, transgenderism is doing. It's bringing doubt into a young person's life. And they're basically um, getting fearful. And they're not recognising that they are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He is the creator. But because God has been taken out of the whole equation, they don't know where they are. But the psalmist knew. He says, he says, and that my soul knoweth right well. It looks to me here that the psalmist had peace about who he was. Verse 14, 15, he says, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. God knew what sex he was making the psalmist. There was no confusion there. When a person's born into the world, he's born either male or female. The problem comes when we start to listen to lies. Because when the lies come in here, we start to think, hmm, is that really true? Am I really a male? I, I, I actually feel like a woman. Well, we need to realise that God doesn't make mistakes. He says that he was curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Verse 16, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. God's eyes saw David's body in the womb. He knew what he was making. He knew who he was making. And he gave that person a personality, gave that person a soul and a spirit. And we see here that the psalmist, he has peace about all this, about who he is. And he says, And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Verse 17, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them. We need to pray for our young ones today. We need to pray if you've got children. Um, if you are thinking about sending them to school. I would advise you very seriously. Make sure that you teach them the word of God. Before they ever enter into a school. Because... Schools can be a very dangerous place. And they're getting more and more dangerous today. More and more dangerous. 
The word of God has been taken out of many schools today. And you know that um, possibly next year, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the Prime Minister's wife, she's called Carrie Johnson, and uh, just recently she was um, heading a LGBT Conservative Party uh, conference, and uh, she was there to make a speech about, um, they call it um, conversion therapy. And what it basically is, is that there's going to be a law brought in, hopefully it won't, we need to pray that it won't be brought in, but it's a law that's going to be brought in that's going to make it illegal for people to try and convert a person who says that he's another gender, for example, from a male into a female or female into a male, and it's going to be illegal to try and convert that person to the opposite to what he's thinking, mm. okay? Um, but it's also going to touch other areas of life as well, I believe it's going to touch um, the church, okay? We're going to tell people that they were created male or female. Um, yeah, and even if you are that person that is the wrong gender, mm. you are not allowed to take it either. <clears throat> it's not just someone like you coming to me and saying, if I want you to come to me, that's also going to be against the law. Yeah. I'll be punished for wanting to be changed. That's right. Well, this is, this is where they're heading. This is where the yeah. Prime Minister is heading. Um, she calls herself an ally of the LGBT community. And uh, she says that her husband, Boris, is really going to press this forward. And they're hoping next year to bring this law in, which is going to affect um, people trying to show them from the scriptures that um, sodomy is against God, mm. okay? That's basically the bottom line of it, okay? Um, but we need, to, um, we need to get our, our teaching and our beliefs and our thoughts upon this subject, we need to get them from the Word of God, okay? Not from out, out there, from the BBC, or from the media, we need to get our thoughts upon these subjects, issues, moral issues, from the Word of God. What does God say? Mm. We know what the devil says. He says, not so. The ungodly man will say, not so. What does the Bible say? What does God say um, upon this issue? Mm. You know, we need to pray for our young people. Many um, are turning to suicide. We don't want that. That's the worst thing. We want young people to have peace. We want young people to know who they are. We want them to know that God has a plan for their lives and he loves them. And uh, they, God wants to be a part of their life and to direct their steps. That's what God wants this morning. And uh, we see that from the word of God. What a wonderful psalm. Psalm 139. Um, so we don't, we don't need to doubt about who we are this morning. Uh, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we believe his word. Um, I'd just like to give you um, a short list here of billions of people who say not so to God. We have 1.8 billion Muslims today in the world. Islam says that Jesus is not God. Not so. We have 14.7 million Jews in the world today. We know that there are several thousands 
that, be that, that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the God of Israel and the saved. But 14.7 million Jews, most of them say that Jesus is not the Messiah, the Son of God. They say not so. That's a lot of people. 8.4 Jehovah's Witnesses say there is no hell. Not so, God. The atheists, apparently there are 450 to 500 million atheists in the world today who say that there is no God. Not so. They're rejecting God. And they're saying not so to the Bible. Psalm 15 and verse, sorry, Proverbs 15 and verse 7. You see here that man, the ungodly man, the godless man is dominated by the spirit of not so. Proverbs 15 and verse 7 says, The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. That's why the foolish do not so because their hearts have become foolish <coughs> the Bible says that there is no fear before God in their eyes there is no fear of God they've become foolish and that's why they say not so God 1 Samuel 15 23 talked about stubbornness and um, we know that stubbornness is a rejection of God's truth, God's word. And we know that in the Old Testament, many times Israel refused to believe what God had told them about idolatry. And the Bible says that stubbornness is like idolatry. And it's like witchcraft. And stubbornness actually invites the rejection of God. So we need to be very careful because each and every one of us, even as Christians, sometimes we can say not so to God and to his word. And uh, we need to examine our hearts and we need to ask ourselves, the Lord, is there anything in my life that I say not so, Lord, to your word? Um, we can do that. We know the Apostle Peter. We know that when he was on that roof and that uh, curtain was being let down and God was showing him a truth that the Gentiles were being brought in into the faith and um, you know he was told to eat those unclean animals and what did Peter say? Mm. He says not so Lord and you see we have that sometimes in us we have that rebellion and we have that stubbornness and we say no God not so we need to let God have his way in our hearts and our lives okay mm. so the second description we see is not so but the third one we see in Psalm 1 is that the Bible says that the ungodly are like the chaff. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. What is chaff? You know, we don't hear that word, that description very often um, in everyday life. But you know, chaff describes those who are without God. Chaff describes the ungodly. Chaff is basically... Um, when the farmer goes out into the fields for the harvest and he collects all the wheat and he, uh, he binds it together in, into bundles and he ties it together, okay, he's got the stalk, he's got the grain, 
and you've got the casing around the grain, okay? And what happens is um, he puts that um, wheat and that, uh, that, that wheat on what's called a threshing floor. And on the threshing floor, they usually beat, um, beat uh, the wheat there. And um, what happens is that the grain uh, and, and the casing actually separate. They come apart. And they actually put a sledge sometimes, like a metal sledge, and they'll have a donkey that goes over the sledge. And it will crush the wheat so hard that, that, that it will all disperse. And it will all be in one place upon the threshing floor. Okay, you can read about this in the scriptures, in the Old Testament especially. And what will happen is that the winnowing will take place next. And the farmer will actually get a fork and he will get that fork into the, um, into the wheat. And he'll actually f uh, throw it up into the air. And um, what will happen is that the wind will actually come and he'll throw it into the wind. And the wind will actually separate the grain from uh, the, the casing and the dust and the dirt and everything that is not good. And what will happen is that the wind will actually drive all the dust and the chaff, that's what the Bible calls it, that will be driven away and the grain will fall down onto the, onto the floor and it will be gathered together and it will be used for flour and for food and uh, it will be used for good. But the chaff <coughs> is that which... The Bible describes as worthless. It's described as dust. It's described as something that is empty, lightweight. It's hollow. It has no value. It has no root. There is no future for the chaff. Once that chaff flies away, it's not going to be used again for good. Okay? There is no profit to the chaff. And ultimately, the chaff is going to be rejected. Okay? Only the grain. And you know we have a spiritual application here. The separation. You know, when we got saved, the Bible describes us as being separated from the world, from the chaff. That's what God has done. He sees us now, as Christians, as separated. And our lives have value right now. Spiritual value. Because we have Christ in us. The hope of glory. Wonderful. But we see here that the chaff ultimately is rejected. You know, um, if you just turn to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. And um, we have a description here. Of the worthlessness of the chaff. Chapter 5 and verse 24. Um, and here it's speaking about Israel. But it's speaking about the ungodly. And it says, Therefore as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust. Why? Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. And we see here that the chaff is described as rotten and that does not blossom. There's no fruit there. The chaff describes a life that is lived without God. 
I wonder this morning, is that a description of your life? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal saviour this morning? Because if you don't, the Bible says that you are ungodly, you are without God and without Christ in the world. It's a life lived without God. It's empty. It's lightweight. And it has no roots. We need to be rooted. And we need to be rooted in Jesus Christ. You know that there's a lot of good people in the world today. A lot of people that do good. A lot of people that are kind. And um, they have good moral values. And uh, a lot of people that uh, do great things. They invent things. They're carers in society. Um, and they build up. Some, some people build up great wealth. Some people are very poor. But there are some good people today. And they do good. And they're very generous. And they're easy people to get on with. And they're very um, easy to make friends with. And they're good people. And you know when you go to a funeral you'll often hear about a person that has died without God. And you'll hear the eulogy. And often the, the eulogy will look at the good things that that person has done in their life. But you know, one of the things that you won't hear at that kind of funeral will be the ascription of the person as God sees them at the end. Ungodly. They lived a life without God. That's how God described an ungodly person. Without Christ in this world. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And uh, we're not far off finishing, but let me just make a few more comments here. Um, Mark 8. And we have here the description of a life that is lived in this world, in this life, that has done many great things and has profited in things. And their life has, um, has gained. But we see here in verse 35 and says, no, verse 36, For what shall it man profit? So, and what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? That's a lot of gains, man. If you gain everything that's in this world, fame, popularity, money, friends, the Bible says here, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Everything that that person has gained in this life will stay right here when that person goes. It's like chaff. The great things. The things that are, are worth money. Even friendships. It will all stay. That person will lose his soul. It goes on to say in verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We can't put a value a monetary value upon our souls. Mm. This is what we need to realise this morning. Our souls are eternal. They're important now and they're important for the future as well. Let's make sure that our souls are rooted in Christ this morning. <clears throat> and fourthly we see that the ungodly are described as the chaff which the wind driveth away. 
I want us to, just to notice two things here as we close. First of all, that the chaff is controlled by the wind. Okay? It's not the other way around. The chaff does not control what uh, the speed and the, and the ferocity of the wind. No, the wind controls where the chaff goes. It's in control. We read in the Bible that God is in the wind. Many times we see that God is in the wind. Let's just turn to a scripture. Um, if you turn to Nahum, alright, you might not be able to find that, don't worry in your Bibles this morning. Um, Nahum chapter 1 and verse 3 reads, And the Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. He can't do because he's a righteous God. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds of the dust of his feet. So we read here that God is in the whirlwind. God is in the wind. He controls the weather. He's in the wind. God is in the wind and will drive ultimately the ungodly away to judgment. We'll think about that in, a, in, the, in the next sermon. But God is going to do what the wind does to the chaff. It's going to drive it away. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what happens today with people in, in life. God uses death as a means of driving people away into eternity. I don't know when the last time that you uh, walked around a uh, cemetery, but you look at the graves and uh, you look at the names on there, quite interesting. Look at the dates of when people were born and when they died and how they died and there's usually some inscription about the person. Um, and it's amazing that those places are often very quiet, very peaceful. You can walk around there and you can think about things and you can think about life and you often think about death as well. But one of the things that we need to think about is that all these names in the grave, all these names on the gravestone, they represent a person. They re represent a soul that God created and that God brought into this life. God gave them life. God gave them opportunity to seek after God. And most of them are lost. That's the reality. Most of them. Most of those precious souls have gone into a lost eternity. Praise God that many of them will rise one day in the rapture and they're in heaven right now. Um, praise God for that. But most of them, the Bible describes very clearly, even the Lord Jesus Christ, he says many are on the broad way that leads to destruction. And God uses death as, a, as like a wind. He's in the wind and he drives the ungodly away. Secondly, we see that the chaff is driven away and it's lost forever. There's no coming back. There's no reincarnation. There's no second chance. Lord, I made a mess of it, but let me come back and I'll do a better job next. No, there's none of that. And the proof is in the chaff. When that wind drives the chaff, it drives it away. It doesn't drive it back. 
There is no second chance for the chaff. It's lost. It's rejected. It's good for nothing. It's not going to be used again. That describes a soul that is lost without God. And is driven away into eternity. And the Bible tells us that that, that that lost soul will be driven away to judgment. A judgment day. We're going to look, about, look at that in the next, um, in the next um, preaching. But Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die and after the judgment. The ungodly don't come back. They're lost forever. And you know, that should motivate us here this morning. That should motivate us to live a better life as Christians. Let's be a witness to those without God and without Christ in this world. Let's not put an obstacle in their way. Let's not be like the ungodly man that says that he's, not going, to, that he's going to stand in the way of sinners. And he's going to put a block between him and the lost person. Let's not do that. Let's let our lives be a witness to the ungodly. And let's witness to them. Let's tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's tell them that God loves them. And that God has value for them in this world. God wants to put value in them. You know, the greatest value that God has ever done is the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more valuable and precious than that blood that can cleanse away an ungodly person's sins. So let's be motivated this morning. Let's live for Jesus Christ. Be a witness. Let's share the gospel. And if we are a person this morning without Christ and without God in this world, we don't have to be like that. We don't have to be. God has given us an opportunity today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And we can be valuable in God's sight. And we can partake of His Spirit. And know God as personal. And our peace. Wonderful. That's our word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you this morning for your precious word. Please forgive me if I've said anything this morning that you've not wanted me to, Lord, but I've trusted that you would give me the right words. And Lord, may your word, may it speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, even for those people that are listening online, we know, Lord, that there's a lot of uh, doubts, uncertainty in this life that we're living in. But Lord, we know that Lord, if we turn back to your word, you can give us that assurance in our lives. You can give us that peace. You can give us that certainty that we know who we are in this life. Lord, if we are lost, if we are without Jesus Christ, help us to come to you today and receive you as our Saviour. Lord, if we are saved this morning, Lord, help us to be motivated to be a witness for you in this ungodly world that we live in. And may Jesus Christ be glorified. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. What I've noticed about